Now in verse 3 and 4, we see how they enjoy the cooperative spirit, the common language, the common motivation, as they're all about wanting to do one thing together. Now I'm not picking on ministries and I'm not picking on churches, but this is common when people get excited about Jesus. Boy, they group together. They come together very quickly. And they say, let's go out and do something. Let's go out and build us up a ministry. Let's go out and serve the people in this form and fashion. And then for some reason, after a period of time, they instantly go from wanting to be motivated to do that for God, but then they make it for themselves. There's not too many churches up in, the, in these areas that we can see that have seen that they started off with a good purpose, but then became motivated for themselves. I love, I love the luxuries of this building. I love the luxuries of the second building. I love the luxuries of this campus. But if that's what we're motivated to do, just, just do and build us a beautiful campus, then we've got the wrong motivation. We've quickly stepped off on the wrong foot. And though this group of people are still motivated, and they have grouped up and sort of, I guess they've had a good idea pep rally, we also see this in our lives. Even though we fellowship, and even though we eat together, and we do things together, our motivation can quickly turn from God to ourselves. And so we see today's title, The Danger of Doing It Your Own Way. You know, with this group of people, and the first thing that I noticed is I started reading in there, and in verse 4, when they said, Come and let us build ourselves a city. You know, ourselves... The name. Well, most Christians and most believers in some churches, this is the pride part that gets us into trouble. This is where pride takes over and motivation stops being for God and starts being for themselves. And though, they, again, they started off like-minded, they've lost the focus. In just four short verses, verses, they've lost the focus. They've took it off what God told them to do and made it about themselves. The motives of the tower builders are sinister as their predecessors who desired the power prior to them. Their thinking has changed. Imagine this. Imagine if you were about to board an airline, Delta Airline flight, this is the state of Hawaii, and the pilot comes over the intercom and he says, Welcome to flight 232. I'm your pilot. Today, I've decided to ignore the gauges that are in the cockpit. In fact, I've decided to ignore it all. In fact, I'm going to use my own directives and my own knowledge to get us to Hawaii because I personally believe that all roads lead to Hawaii anyways. If we fly in one line, we'll eventually come to it at some point. There's probably no chance that you're going to get on that flight. In fact, if there was an opportunity to get off that flight, I'm sure you're going to make a quick exit to the left. But this is what some people do. They often take the chance of going with those pilots, and they are quickly led astray. Those narrow-minded individuals try to achieve it with their own specific goals. You see, Jesus already knows the flight and plan that he laid out before us. And there's only one way for us to get there. And even though we're not flying today, this is exactly what other believers do. They start taking their thoughts and making it about themselves. And what they could accomplish 
instead of what Jesus wants them to accomplish. Because we are all given the abilities from God, both physically and mentally. Spiritually, emotionally, we're all geared for amazing achievements when we celebrate and we know God's will. But oftentimes, as the tower builders themselves, they misunderstand what God desires. In verse 3 and 4, we see it again. They misunderstand, and now it's not about God anymore, but more about themselves. And they also have a fear of being scattered over the whole earth. The fear that God had already told them they should, not, they should ignore. From verse 9, in chapter 9. Now we see in verse 5, as they have missed God's desire, God comes down, sort of like a divine inspection here. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. You know, here at Solid Rock, we, we get inspected, and I was telling one of the members that we were just inspected recently by the fire marshal. It's, it's a common thing. We get, uh, it's an annual one. There's nothing to be alarmed by. I will say, as a positive report, it's the first time we've never been written up. It's nice. That's a little bit of an inside joke in case y'all don't know what happens around here. And I'll, I'll quickly tell you a story, not to get off track. But when we used to be in this building, our offices were in this building. Um, it was a, a, an afternoon. I was sitting in my office. Pastor was sitting in his office. And I get a phone call on my cell phone from the pastor. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder why he's calling me on my cell phone. And he says, hey, I, I, uh, I want you to come out here in the hallway real quick. And I said, okay. I said, what for? Fire marshal just walked in. And that's as he has escaped out his escape door here and out that exit and jumped in his truck. And his dr- I can hear him driving off as he's telling me to deal with the fire marshal. And, of course, I'm the one that got the ticket that day. Not to be misunderstood. But we see the inspection that God comes down in verse 5. He's coming down to see this city. He's coming down to see this tower, what the men are building. He's about to do a divine inspection on the people, even though they were highly motivated, but they have quickly forgotten what God originally wanted to do from verse 9. They completely misunderstand the desire for God in their life. Now, we all know that popular movie, Forrest Gump. He seems to never meet that stranger, am I right? As he's sitting on the park bench, he has that box of chocolates. And he starts sharing the box of chocolates with the individual sitting beside him. And as he's sharing the box of chocolates, he starts telling a little bit about his life. As we come to discover that Forrest Gump is a superhero. As he's a collegiate football star, a Vietnam war hero. He's also met the president multiple times. He's also a shrimp boat captain business owner, multi-million dollar. And he has that famous line. You know that fam- remember that famous line? Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You know, but that's not exactly what we as believers should have. Life is not like a box of chocolates for me and you. In fact, we know exactly what we're going to get. When you and I accepted Christ into our, into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, we knew exactly that we were going to become up against the deceiver, the one who tempts us, the one to pull us off the path, to move us away from God's desire so that we ourselves could misunderstand what God has intended for us in our life. 
Luckily for us, we do have the Bible. And we should know exactly what Jesus desires for each of us in our life. In John, 1 John 2, 6, the one who says he abides in him ought to walk in a manner in which he himself once walked. So if you really want to know the will of God in your life, follow the footsteps of Jesus. Terry used to tell me that all the time. Just follow Jesus, Jason. Just follow Jesus. Well, I'm trying to get in front of him. And that's where I misunderstand him. And that's when I forget the desire God had for me in my life. As you and I receive Jesus in our hearts by faith, in the same manner we should always live everywhere receiving him by the faith and the grace upon the grace and allowing him to work in our life. The godliness and the tenderness and the Christ-likeness should come out in us like a shining beacon, like a light shining across the world. The practice of looking for Jesus for grace in every circumstance of life should become a, a basic habit as breathing for you and I. Paul urged the believers to believe in their faith. Stay firm and establish your walk with Christ. Well, we should do this by focusing our thoughts on him, what he has done, what he is doing now, and what he will do for us. We should not take the risk, and we should always depend on him completely, obeying all of his commands and putting all of his teaching into practice. Walking with Christ may sometimes seem frightening. I understand. When I was first asked to come into the ministry, it was a frightening experience. I put many things in front of God in order to prevent him from making me come over here. In fact, I often prayed, hey, if you, would, if you will actually call something that caused me to not come do this, that's one of the requests I put in, 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 into my prayer. But I felt as if though God, that pull in my life was not going to go away. And I did not misunderstand that desire to be in the ministry. I really wanted to be into the ministry. I knew that's where God was putting me. I knew that's where he was going to place me. But the walk is not always easy. Spiritual development is not always easy. And even as a minister today, even though I'm full-time, I still mess up. In fact, we recently just had an incident, and I went to the pastor's office. I said, you know, I just feel myself getting angry. I can't control this no more. And he looked right at me and said, have you been studying your word? Now, I often, I really wanted to lie about that one, actually. I, really, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if he was writing that one down. I looked at him and said, no. No, I haven't been studying the word. Well, that's why you're off the path. That's why you're missing it. You're missing what God is desiring for you. You've moved away. We have to take in that daily bread, that word, that scripture, that prayer life. I tell the youth all the time, are you in your prayer life? Are you talking to God? You know, it's pretty easy. I mean, you, got, you can't text him. And you're not going to find him on Facebook, but you can sit down and just talk to God. And he will talk back to you. But you have to do it. It has to be a habit. You know, if we're looking to find out what Jesus desires for us in our life, we only have to look in the New Testament. As Jesus went through in his ministries and Jesus teaches us, Jesus in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Jesus wants to apologize and have us seek forgiveness both from God and from those who have sinned against us in our, in, in, with his power. You know, that's a hard thing to do for you and I. And it's one of the first things that we get off, off step from and our desire to understand God is that we forget that we have to constantly ask God for forgiveness. It doesn't just happen. We have to physically ask him for forgiveness. 
And through his, through his great grace and his great mercy and his great power, he makes that happen. Jesus also wants us to withstand the criticism and the false accusations, the misunderstandings. And that happens as a Christian. Our campus live pep rally just happened last Friday. Was it last Friday? Yes, last Friday. And we had all these high schoolers and different churches come together, and we told them the same thing. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be accused, and you're going to be pointed at for doing this. But you're doing it for a greater purpose than yourself. You're doing it for those who have never heard the Word of God and possibly get the experience to hear it for the first time. Jesus wants us to humble ourselves also with his mighty hand and his God's plan, power and perspective in his spirit. Now, that's a hard thing to do if you're a man, especially if you're a UGA fan. It's hard to humble yourself when Alabama beats us. In fact, I almost want to just tell some of you Alabama fans not to come. Don't even ruin my Sunday. I already know it's bad. Jesus wants us to love other people as he loved us. Isn't that a hard thing to do for some reason? Boy, when somebody comes against me and they tell me something or they do something deceptive behind my back, why do I have a hard time forgiving them? Why do I just want to wring their neck sometimes? But boy, would it be a divine hand that grabbed my neck if I refused to forgive somebody else or refused to love somebody else. That's my fear. I have a fear of that hurting somebody else and not showing them the love and compassion that Jesus showed me in my life. Jesus doesn't want us to give into the temptations and take revenge on people because his gracious love forgave us first. We are always to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, even during times of anxiety, the shortages, the provisions, the hardships, and the faith. Jesus wants us to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness even when we feel discouraged, frustrated, or emotionally spent through his spirit. Jesus wants us to give generously to help his great commission. Now that's, a, that's one right there nobody really wants to hear. I don't want to hear, I can hear all the other ones. I hear the fact that you want me to forgive and ask for forgiveness, humble and love other people, but boy, you start asking me to give generously and I'm going to punch you right in the mouth. But that's divine. That's given. That's the scripture that are given to us. Jesus also wants us to confess our sins, our commission, omission, disposition, our wrong assumptions to be cleansed of all unrighteousness. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus wants us to serve others with that humble mind. This is what he did for us. But oftentimes, we miss God's desire to fix it. His decision is to fix a situation in our life. We become unaware of God's thoughts. We become unaware of his actions, and we feel ourselves not looking toward God for direction, but to God in defiance. See, he knows our heart. And in verse 6, look at what he says here in verse 6. The Lord said, If as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Now he's talking about the tower builders. He's talking about the fact that they have the common speech and the, and the camaraderie and the community they have together. He's concerned about this. 
as he sees them speaking and doing things, not to have forgotten what God desired for them to do in the beginning. If they can do this, their plan for anything is being possible. We'll never be able to stop them. You know, and I hate to bring the world into the, in, the politics into the world or into the church. It's one thing I just try to, to not talk about, when I'm, especially when I'm preaching. But you know, I can look at us as a people today, and I see the horrors of this Planned Parenthood, and if it isn't stopped, if we can do those things as a people, we can do anything. Genocidal, horrific, and disgusting. How can we kill babies in the way and the manner that they're doing it and be so unmoved by it? You realize there was recently a political candidate who just went out there and, and, and told the world that the people who are standing up against this are like terrorists because they think that women's rights are being violated. Terrorists? Because we desire life? And that we cuddle life? When you put that baby in your hands, we look at that and we say, not worth it? We're terrorists? Something's wrong in the world. And if we can accept that, we can accept anything. And it's not like we're having a shortage of murders. It's not like we're having a shortage of violence. It's all around us. It doesn't seem to be going away. In fact, it seems like it's getting worse. And on live TV, a man just shot a reporter and the cameraman and the person they were interviewing on live TV. It was streamed all over the place before they finally got it stopped. And, we, and there are those who sought that out. They were desiring to see it. If we can desire to see somebody getting killed, we can desire to see anything. There's no stopping us. We're like a tank, an Abram tank, an M1A1. I know it. It's a big hunk of metal. It's got a lot of armor on it. It's got a big gun. And it's not easily stopped. In fact, the only thing that can stop an Abram tank is, the only, is an Abram tank. And if we as Christians are not allowing ourselves to be perverted by these thoughts, who's going to stand against them? God has to come down and do this for the people of Babel. He has to come down and say, if they can do all this, there's nothing they can't do. It's so reminiscent of what happened in the garden. You see, we look at this and dismiss it thinking that God just wanted to confuse the world and had different languages, but it's not. Where the first couple was expelled from the Garden of Eden, what would have happened had they had access to the tree of life? See, that garden alarm went off. That newly acquired knowledge that they had, that disobedient against God, the couple here was expelled for good reason. Had they had that knowledge, what would have happened? Had the people of Babel been allowed to build this tower, what would have happened? Had God's, if God's people refuse to speak, what will happen? Nothing the world can't stop. See, God was troubled over these consequences. He knew that human, the human race would fall if left unchecked. Individually, us as believers, we have the Holy Spirit that grabs our attention. And He provides our correction. 
But unfortunately, there are times when we miss the convictions or we attempt to rationalize it back in our favor. And when this takes place, we move from God in defiance. And in verse 8, So the Lord scattered them from, from the... I'm sorry. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth. And they stopped building the city. And that is why it is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So we see this instant cease of building after the Lord comes down and provides the fix. You know, God's will superseded this design. And the building enterprise spontaneously dissipated. And as a result, proving they had not had a heavenly directive, but a heavenly disgust. They were not able to communicate anymore. They were not able to be effective because they had missed God's understanding from the beginning. And oftentimes when we're in ministry, and God corrects a wrong, this is usually where we fail to turn back to God and ask for forgiveness, to be humble, and for God to set us on the right path. This is usually where we walk away in defiance. And we look at God and we say, you know what? You caused me to fail. I was doing everything for you. It started off on the right track. I was telling people about Jesus. And then money came in. I had to have some money, God. But that money overtook me. And it's your fault for allowing it to happen. I see that. I, I've seen that. In fact, me and, me and my wife on the way home last night, we were talking about how money has corrupted certain people. It's like they, they didn't even get a chance. They didn't even get a chance. But they were in danger because they were trying to do it their way and not God's way. They were misunderstanding God's desires for their life and trying to ignore the opportunity for him to fix it. And now they walk away in defiance. You know, we can reflect on our life and as the failures that we've had, and we can blame God. Our God is so loving and so merciful and so gracious. When you come to him and you say, God, I'm so sorry for doing that. Please ask me for forgiveness. Please forgive me. Our God does not look down and say, you know what? One and done. He just says, I love you. Of course I forgive you. In fact, I'm reminded by this in Matthew 20, or Luke 23, 34. As Jesus spoke the last final words on earth as a, as a living, breathing embodiment of God. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Through that act of mercy, and through that calling out to God, I am so reminded that no matter what I do, God knows that, he st- I still know that God loves me. And we'll ask for our music and as we prepare to go into our invocation.